At the end of your life, what will be your legacy? What will you leave behind for future generations? For the world, join the world messenger, Isabella Lundberg, each week as she brings you a new distinguished guest from the business, sports, or entertainment world to share their success, their struggles, and their lessons. They will share their insights into current hot topics that affect everyone. Isabella facilitates an intimate, vulnerable environment to find the true value of humanity and real leadership. Are you ready for your legacy? The legacy that matters? Hello, my global friends. It's Isabella Lumbach here, the World Messenger, welcoming back to Legacy Leader Show, where we're going to have a chance to hear the second part of the show by our very special guest. Enjoy. Everybody's had a situation in their lives where a person has walked into their room, into their house, into a circumstance, and they felt the vibe. There was nothing said, but a lot was being said based on the vibration, the body language, the behavioral characteristics that there were volumes of things being communicated that went, oh, what, happened? what happened between you and him and you and her? Well, a lot of, yeah, but the guys didn't say anything yet. Yeah, we didn't need to, but everybody felt it and something was exchanged. Point is, it's the same thing with filmmaking. This is what I discovered. I said, okay, I'm Cornelius in the Planet of the Apes. I'm the monkey that's not allowed to speak. Behold the monkey who speaks. Oh, no, 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 shut up, shut up. Be a monkey, Robert. Be a monkey, be stupid, be the tattooed mental case, be the, the pariah. Okay. But I said, I no, I can think and relate in a certain way within those sequences that indicate something else that's contrary to what the dialogue suggests. And people say, well, how do you do that? I'd say, go to acting class. It's all there in school, man. It's the same reason you can watch somebody do something on the screen and they don't do much and they don't say much but there's a whole lot going on behind the eyes, man. Tears could be welling up. Their lip could be trembling. Their hands are shaking, but they're not telling you to feel sorry for them. They're fighting with the tears. They don't want the tears to happen. They don't want to be brought, brought down to a sympathy. They want to rage, but they can't rage because the tears are overtaking them. And to witness that is profound in any circumstance, whether it's in a fiction or in real life. Everybody's seen the person who's tried not to cry. And it's been like, oh my God, I want to cry watching this person because they're trying not to and their lips are trembling. So I'm saying to you, once you understand the craft and you understand soul power or the ability to communicate without dialogue, the silent film actors knew all about this, right? You mentioned silent film acting. Absolutely, People because the nonverbal communication, 96, 97%, all of nonverbal. So that's the method I came up with to counterbalance what I felt was an injustice at the time and still do, where they wouldn't allow me to speak articulately, they wouldn't allow me the full range of character and minimize that experience so they could make someone else look like a hero or make people feel safer about a particular thing that they were selling about a group of people that if they look this way and we kill those people, you'll sleep better at night, you know what I mean? you're wrong about those people because those people aren't your enemy, but people were trained to believe that those people are their enemy. And so then those people rise up and they say enough. And sometimes people listen, but I've been rising up for years and I haven't had the benefit of a flag. Like I don't have a flag behind me. I have the ocean behind me. I got this landscape behind me, <laughs> but I'm not carrying a cause. Like I don't represent tattoo community. I don't not represent them. I represent the art form. Like, People, Rob, what do you represent, man? Who you who you down for? I'm down for hard work. I'm down to due diligence to the craft that requires that I incarnate the work that the writer consigned me to do to authenticate that experience convincingly so that when people go, holy shit, he's nothing like that. That's the job. That's what that you do. So it's true. not a flag, but they can move things to society they always have to a phenomenon, well, it's the idea of celebrity. This person is celebrity, and we can move a whole culture because of them and sell a lot of tickets by manipulating a gimmick through music, through visual aesthetic. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying the power of that. It's a different depth of it. It's for different types of people, obviously. I, I, I totally hear you. My point is this. When you're in a parade and you've got a lot of people behind you, there's the illusion of strength in numbers, right? 
And sometimes when you got a lot of people behind you or seemingly have a lot of people behind you that have power and pull and influence, you can get to places that you might not be able to get to on your own because the force and physics of that mob can push a wall down, right? Very Correct? true. Very true. When you're by yourself and you're standing for an art form that's basically only championed through, or is champed, not only, is championed through a fiction, then you, all you have, or what you have, is a magic act that can affect people's lives. So I rely on the work creating a portal for people to be affected by entertainment and what I do in that. But I'm not, I don't have any cause. So I can't get there any faster, any more than I can laser my tattoos off, never did, never have, never will. So I'm not gonna hold the flag to say, well, I represent something, now can you please put me at the head of the line? I don't believe in that. That happens because the injustices of the world suggest that there have been tyrannies throughout the centuries where a group of people enslaved another group of people. And then those people that were enslaved weren't allowed to go up and do things and enjoy what the world and life had to offer. They were subjugated. It's no different in entertainment. So if you look at 1940s, 1950s filmmaking, you can see clearly those who were subjugated are not allowed to come to the front of the stage who were in the background because, no, 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 no. We don't want to look at those people. So if there's a group that comes together and says, look, we've had enough of this, and you're not going to put us in the back seats no more, I say, right on. Good for you. But the difficulty is when no one can really, when you don't even categorize yourself, because I don't put myself in any category. Man. They've done that for me. The tattoo guy, the bad guy. All these names have been hung on me that have nothing to do with who I am and everything to do with a belief of category. And that's cool, but there's no parade for that category. You understand? The injustice that is still occurring, but if you label it a bad guy or put a tattoo on it, it suddenly becomes a, a, a billboard, a t-shirt, something to play around with. There is no injustice being perceived because there's no group. But there is a group. There's a group of misfits who roamed the earth forever that have felt disconnected, underappreciated, and pimped out by the lowest bidder just so they could get a job. So for those who have the power of the group, I salute them because I wish I had the power of the group. I don't have the power of a flag. My genesis, my background, well, Robert, what are you, man? That's an Italian name, right? I go, well, no, nah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, an adopted name. My father didn't know his father, so they hung that name on him. I don't know. I could be an Eskimo. I could be Latino. I could be Italian. I could be Irish. I could be many things based on what the genetics suggest and the blood test they can do now. But my point is people don't want to hear that. They don't want to hear multicultural. They don't want to hear a lot of different answers. They want to say, what are you, and get a definitive, direct answer. And they say, no, 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 no. shut up, Robert. You're Italian. You're the bad guy. You're Latino. No, you're not Latino. What are you? So then it becomes confusing, see? And so I understand that. Force and people I'm to think and force people to now deal with multiple labels, which is not convenient, right? Not easy. Well, for those people who feel a sense of security because the culture suggests a, um, a liberation from a yoke that has kept them locked up in something, I'd say, bravo, knock the fences down, free yourselves. But I have felt the tyranny of a perception that has perceived the tattoo to be a pariah, a nefarious, a beast, a demon, a killer, a monster, all these things running through town with the torches, let's kill them, let's put them to death, because they didn't understand for a time, now they understand, but now, later, they're going, We sorry, Rob, we saw that, but we're going to change that. So what I'm saying to you is that I understand, like I can relate, regardless of what my background suggests. All people who've been tortured, male, female, women have been slaves, men have been slaves, all tribes of the world have faced a tyranny during a time in the world ex experiment of mankind being horrific to one another. Just read a some kind of something from back in the day that suggests a, a history biblical, Old Testament, New Testament, whatever. The point is, is that we all want to feel a sense of belonging. 
we all want and to acceptance, be able to acceptance acceptance right acceptance and belonging i say i want to feel a sense of purpose i don't necessarily need a sense of belonging i did when i was a teenager thus my story about the tattoo a sense of camaraderie with the outlaw biker tattoo guys who brought me in because i didn't have a family that was really there but they became my family so i met all these people throughout my life that took on various forms white people black people purple people blue people people all these different kinds of people that showed up in my life and say rob come here you can hang with us man you lost huh you don't have any family do you come hang out with us we'll show you some love so what i realized was that love did not take on any particular form it took on all sorts of forms and no form in particular so i wasn't going to label myself anything how could i they did it for me, but all I knew was, and still know, is that the identify with those souls and people who speak a language that's indicative of a universal experience that doesn't exclude anybody and subjugate anybody. But I've been subjugated by everybody in terms of people being afraid of me because they didn't understand something. I've had women. Because it's a foreign, it's foreign and it's different and, and it was right in their face. They could not avoid it. It's, it's just right there. You're totally right. You were so obvious, uh, but from very wrong reason, fortunately, for the people to react to and label to. So thank they, you. For they, you know, they were taught something. They were taught, we're all taught something. And then one day we wake up, go, oh, man, I think I was taught wrong. And then maybe you apologize or you don't do it again because you realize, oh man, what I've been doing is wrong. This thought in my head is not mine. Somebody trained me to think this way. I don't want to be this. This isn't who I am. So you take that thought, if you're lucky, you get it out of your head, you throw it away. And you embrace a new thought that's more hopeful and loving to each other, man. That's cool. And so some of us do this. Some of us don't. So the people that you're talking about, you said, you know, yeah, they've done it to me. And people of all kinds have said this to me regarding the tattoo. Let not the form deceive you or the tribe deceive you or the color deceive you. I've had women, men of every tribe of the world at certain stages of my life when tattoo was not cool look at me and go what's this guy's issue because they couldn't get their mind around the ego trip because this suggested something that freaked them out on a molecular level on an atomic level because they're attached to the physics of their body so for them anyone who would mess with that was committing sacrilege because it meant that this person must be crazy to defile the temple. So I'm saying to you, like for me, no one's guilty. No one's guilty, man, but no one's innocent either. You follow? Mm -hmm. No one's guilty and no one's innocent. We're all stuck in the middle, kind of trying to just figure it out. And as we everybody's try to in different out, stages, and I love what you said. Everybody's in different stages of their growth. Everybody's evolves over a period of time. If we go back how we were thinking 10, 15, 20 years ago, we'll be more judgmental on so many issues right now, hopefully with wisdom, with education, with with undoing of that old systematic thinking, we have so much more capacity to understand and relate. And again, back to our beginning of conversation, if we focus what connect us instead of what to differentiate us, we have a million, million reasons to celebrate, to engage, to uh, discuss, to learn from another, versus if we're going through that separation, you know, you to two guy who is perceived as a criminal, as a this or as a that, or, or just simply uh, those cliches and norms and uh, that they were not anymore or they were never actually accurate, but were just societal types of way of thinking and believing it is, it is really challenging. So I am glad you shared something because you were always authentic to you and even that authenticity had a growing pain. So I'm sure as a result, build you to be much better human. Well, can I, can I, let me speak to that because you mentioned growing pain, right? You yeah. also, prior to this interview, before we you know, had this official uh, forms uh, experience, or having this form experience as we are, you said, Robert, I want to do something with you. I want to have an experience with you that really speaks to a truth that might shake people a bit. So if people watching this go, wow, he's getting very involved in this uh, diatribe of experience, almost to the point where it's almost unsettling, it speaks to what you just said. Absolutely. Because, because you know, I could, let me, and I'll, I'll, and I'll put a period on this. 
I can have an interview, right, where the ego's really present, answer the questions in a very diplomatic way and give you some real short answers and clever anecdotes, and we can move on to the next question. Or I can take my mask off and I can show you what's going on and I can communicate to you how, like, I really feel. And we can have that kind of interview. And a lot of people don't want to have those kind of interviews because sometimes those interviews dispel the myth. And people take a lot of solace in their myth. They're protected by their myth. I'm not protected by anything. They're uncomfortable for a lot of people because they're real. Every time I turn around, they're trying to murder me in some type of fiction. So I'm not really worried about, oh, (laughs) what will it do to my image? (laughs) What will it do to my image? Yeah, okay. Duh. I'm not really worried about looking good or looking bad. They've already made me bad. So I can only look good at this point. Even if I tell the truth and it's annoying, it's excessive and gives people a headache. They go, well, at least he's honest. <laughs> he ain't lying. And if he's lying, he's telling his, like, it sounded like this. You can be righteous in your lying. Meaning like, I can, uh, this man told me, a wise man once said to me, he said, the greatest lie contains the most truth. Anybody watching this from my past that thinks they know me, a family member, a friend, say, man, he's invented all this. I knew him back in the day, and I remember, I remember. And I say to them, you remember a program that I was trained to believe, that I was either taught by you or other people to manifest that had nothing to do with what I was trying to discover about myself. And this thing that you may think is rhetoric coming out, when you say, no, no, you don't really know him. What's underneath that, he told me in confidence a lot of times that he was ashamed and he hated carrying the ink and he wanted to get rid of the ink. And I would say, yes, mm. I did experience that. Kind of like a brother wakes up in the, in the South one day, walks on his lawn and sees a cross burn and goes, man, get me out of here. I don't want to live in a world where people are burning crosses on my lawn, showing up with white sheets and throwing fire at me. So I would say, yeah, I did cry about it. I did call people loathing, looking at myself, wondering where do I belong in the world, man? Am am I crazy? Am I evil? All the things that I'm experiencing make me bad. I had to wait 30 years for young people to say, no, man, you just grew up in a really weird period, bro. But the people that would say they knew me then would speak to the boy, the young boy who was confused and programmed by a thinking that was not my own to learn to hate myself. I didn't, wasn't born trying to hate myself. I was taught to do that by people that didn't know how to love themselves. And I ain't mad at them. I'm just saying, if any of you guys are watching this, I speak to you not in malice, not with hatred, but I say to you, I love you, and I understand your confusion because I'm carrying the same confusion my whole life. And I would beg you to look in the mirror honestly and get real with yourself, what you battle with, what you pass on to others, and forgive yourself what you were taught not to forgive from whoever taught you to teach me and for me to teach them and all this insanity that we've been trying to teach each other. And all it is is trying to continue a chain of evil, break the chain of evil, man, by forgiving me because I forgive you, so forgive me, and don't try to lock me up in some memory that has nothing to do with what's really going on. And if it was going on, it's the past. So forgive it, and let's just kind of move on, please. That is so beautiful, and thank you for sharing, because all of us are involved, one way or another, and your journey was specifically very, very challenging, more than many people's journey, but you also were very bold and gutsy in that process. So thank you for sharing that vulnerability and what that took in process-wise to arrive where you are today. Stereotypes are awful. Isabella, I think a lot of people are inundated up to their eyeballs, they can't see anymore with some ego in a celebrity form or not even, a, I'm not even, I'm not a celebrity, some form where someone who may be perceived as important is going on and on about what they've done and what they got going on and how they did it. I'm the antithesis of, antithesis of that because I am grateful for the stage. I'm grateful for product that people can be entertained by things I do occasionally. But I'm saying that I think people are more interested, I dare say, I don't know what they're thinking, to what makes me tick. 
What Absolutely, because it's so many different perceptions. You know, it's like if we look beyond your name, beyond your appearance, and beyond your typical roles as a bad guy, and that's why I announced you as an actual very good guy that is playing bad guy so really good. Obviously, those experiences build you up, but you also build level of consciousness that you know better, and you have a very different and very deep uh, approach to it. And I have to kudos you, uh, your emotional capacity and your emotional intelligence. It's, it's such a great example to all the younger generations that I'm hoping also watching and listening because... Uh, it definitely carved different path forward uh, that really allowed us for self-expression, for self-transformation, for the growth, as well as to arrive where we feel like that we can really be more, uh, as you said, on purpose with our skills and talent. And speaking now with the purpose, you've been in phenomenal roles. You've acted alongside some phenomenal talent. And I want to ask you now from that craft, from that inner world that you projected in outer world, that's why you're so good at it in that nonverbal versus just verbal and dialogue and communication in these roles. So you assimilate so well. Um, who did you enjoy working the most with from some actors and actresses standpoint, but also directors? I'm just curious, what was some of the roles that really you said, Isabel, was a pure joy to be part of it? First name that occurs because it's consistent with my story and it's the truth, Richard Pryor. Wow. Because he was nice to me. Wonderful. He didn't have to be because he was Richard Pryor, but he was nice to me. When I say he was Richard Pryor, I mean he's a legend. And some of these people that find themselves in powerful positions abuse that power. Not Richard, not with me. He was the kindest, sweetest man that I think I've ever met in the industry, period. So that was one of the most, the fondest experience in terms of the heart, you asked me. Yes, what, absolutely, absolutely. That is beautiful. I'm not gonna intellectualize it, so yeah. That speaks to my heart because it was crucial and pivotal and it came at a time like an angel coming into the world and saying, Rob, come here, let me tell you something. Because you've been lied to about some things. I'm going to tell you something so you don't get confused again. So Richard Pryor, um, Steven Seagal. And I'll tell you why Steven Seagal was influential in my life because he, 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 his, he's one of those guys, man, that he does what he says, at least for me. I met him at an audition for a movie called Hard to Kill, and he said some things to me at the audition that were very complimentary. He hired me, ultimately. We got along on the set, we were talking. He said, Robert, listen, I got this movie coming up, I'm a screenplay I'm developing about some guys in New York, these guys from Brooklyn, these gangsters, blah, blah, blah. And he said, I got a role for you. I said, oh, thank you, Stephen. But I was so overwhelmed by actually sitting next to him and even making a movie with him at all that anything he was saying to me went in one ear and out the other because I wasn't I, I, I'm not I wasn't I'm not jaded I wasn't jaded by oh yeah sure whatever I was like cool 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 anything you say at this point is cool because you're talking to me wow you're Stephen Seagal so it was just beautiful to be there and him be nice to me on top of that he's saying hey I got another movie that you're in my book great great a year later I get a phone call from my manager or agent at the time. He said, yes, so who wants a meeting with you? Steven Seagal. Wow, so he followed so, through, yay! I got hired. So, and I had a great experience with Steven on that film because I was going through some personal stuff in my life that was very challenging. He guided me out of the flames and back on the path and away from the wreckage that could have been my life and set me on the right path. So Steven Seagal, uh, another actor that I think is tremendous actor who's like, when you work with him, you get paid, you have a great experience, and you get an acting lesson. David Caruso, uh, you know, CSI Miami, Horatio yes. King. Yes. David Caruso, man. Yeah, great actor, great man. And, and it was nice to me. It was funny, too, because when we filmed CSI Miami, uh, I was talking to David on the set, you know, between, between scenes, between takes, and we were talking about stuff. He likes movies, and I like movies, and we were philosophizing about various things. And, Afterwards, one of the producers came up to me and said, wow, he, he talks to you. I go, yeah, I've known David since the 80s, man. I did my first movie with him called China Girl. Before I did the big studio movie, I did this little movie called China Girl. And I met David Caruso. And I did another movie called King of New York with David Caruso. I did an episode of NYPD Blue with David Caruso. I've known David a while, but wow. I've known 
I've known a lot of people. I'm not tooting my horn and dropping names. I'm just saying. I know I've you do. I know you do based on the roles and everything you've been involved. Absolutely. Please drop right. the names. Now it's the time to brag because obviously you did so many things right. My point is, though, that David took a liking to me because he could relate to me and I could relate to him. We're both in the same connection and relationship guys built. That's all what it's all about, right? right? But the funny thing is, is to me, well, it was funny to me anyway, is that the producer said, yo, man, you talk to you. I go, yeah, you guys don't talk to him. You guys have been producing this show how many seasons? Well, and so I realized a lot of them, they were afraid of him. Or maybe they didn't like him. Or a combination of both. So to see me, you know, the tattooed guy or the, the guy that comes in that probably in certain circles, they wouldn't think be worthy to break bread with me and have the star of the show talk to me as an equal says a lot about David, that he's a stand-up guy and a cool guy, man, and it got a big heart. He recognized something in me. Not that I was special. I'm not special. He just saw that I was being, he recognized something in me that maybe he saw in himself. Who knows why? But he was nice to me, and he talked to me, and we were real. And I think some people just want to have people around them that tell the truth. You know? Absolutely. They wanted the people to have a genuine interest. They're not just there to open up or being seen or to see what they can do for them. And genuity and the true connection that comes from heart, you can't fake it. And that is what I felt first time when I met you when I, we had an eye contact, was unverbal. We were eyeing each other from the across the room and you were just stoically looking and you were rehearsing internally your role. I know you were in the, in the, in the space there, but you were aware of my energy, what I was projecting towards you and vice versa. And as you said, nonverbal, it's just like you can feel it. Energy speaks millions volumes than anything else. And your energy was not repelling, was inviting, was reflecting the wisdom, but also truthfully reflect the love. I felt love. And I was just like radiating back because that's who I am. But when you look at those things, it's so simple, yet it's so powerful. So please go ahead. I just want to validate and I wanted Thank to you. tell you that is the beauty and that's why we're having this authentic conversation anyway so the recent the most recent experience i would say is uh uh yeah i had a great experience working working with clint eastwood on the mule he's a really sweet humble man my, here's my clint eastwood story i got a couple stories real quick so i went to lunch i look at the line it's a long line where everybody waiting in line to eat lunch and i see this man at the back of the line unassuming with his head down older guy and i go wait a minute that's clint eastwood at the back of the line waiting to eat. No front of the line privileges with the movie star. He waited in line and let everybody else go ahead. So that was really cool. Second story, we're filming a take. And right after we did a take, he punched me in the stomach and tapped me, said, good stuff, kid. <laughs> That's wow. great. Because you know, you're working with Clint Eastwood, you're like, okay, uh, I, hope, uh, I hope I'm doing a good job. I hope I don't screw this up. You know, it's hard to, uh, you know, it's hard to swim in that pool at first. It's kind of cold, not him. He wasn't cold. The fear, the anxiety of working with somebody of that caliber is uh, a little intimidating, to say the least, right? So dig, I, uh, I dealt with it. And then I started swimming around a little bit. He saw me swimming around, and he started swimming around. So we started swimming around together, you know? And then we started improv So what you saw in the mule, if you saw it, uh, I don't know, I'm assuming yes, you saw the mule, yes, but yes. there was some improv. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So there was some improv in that sequence because he allowed it. Yes. He allowed me to kind of feel my way through my own fear and anxiety and bring something to life in relationship to what he was trying to do. So we collaborated, man. And it was beautiful because what came of that were these authentic moments that were not scripted. So that was beautiful. So that was a great experience with a masterful director. Let's fast. Okay. Another experience. Uh, let's see. In the recent past, I've been allowed to portray characters like a general, General Vasquez in Bridge of the Doom, directed by Michael Sue. I never thought I'd get to wear a military outfit, being that I'm a former military guy. Oh, duh. You know, you think maybe I'd be allowed to play a military guy other than one time 25 years ago. So it was kind of cool to play a general. That was a great experience. I, th I thank Michael Mahal and Sonny Mahal for being the executive producers on this on this franchise where they've allowed me to play a vampire in their upcoming movie called Bloodthirst where I get to wear all this cool like Lost Boys makeup with the teeth and the, the, the brow. I saw the poster, that is very powerful. 
it's good stuff. So thank you, Michael Mahal and Sonny Mahal and Michael Sue and Max Searchy for writing Bloodthirst and allowing me to walk off into this fantasy world, man, or out of the prisons, out of the jails, out of the correctional facilities, out of these impoverished dreams that you guys, you other guys have written for me and move into a, into a tier of auspicious creative celebration. So yeah, that was cool. And then another film that comes to mind, uh, a spiritual kind of thing that you and I worked on together, uh, a film called The Talking Tree. Uh, I'd say I want to I don't want to categorize it but I would say that was a wonderful experience for me as a as a experience to dive into a character that's allowed to help another character find resolution in a situation that's universal a man knows his mom's gonna die soon because she's got cancer and he's in a situation of incarceration so he meets me and I encourage him not to give up you know and that we're gonna visit his mother on Christmas day. Both of us, we're gonna be freed from this prison, which is kind of interesting metaphor considering my career, you know? So yeah, we're gonna be freed from true. the prison together and we're gonna see his mom and he's gonna to get to see her that, that, that most, for that most important transitional moment when she moves on to the next life, you know, on Christmas. So that was a beautiful experience to portray a character and be allowed in that portrayal to help somebody in the fiction, not harm somebody. So that was wonderful. It's called The Talking Tree. I think it's indicative of these kind of Christmas movies that you know point to stories of reclamation and hope and faith, and things like that. So that was also very wonderful. Yeah, that was cool. Absolutely. Yeah. Wonderful to hear that. And then a lot of times when, we allow, when we're allowed uh, to create the space, but also different opportunities, it's beautiful to see how your roles can transcend in so many different directions. And to me, that is true art and craft and true artist. And I also notice on your MBD page that you have so many things actually coming very soon and so much work in progress and, and seems like you're very, very busy. And any exciting new projects on the horizon that, uh, that we can anticipate, that we can let listeners and viewers uh, yeah, anticipate that coming soon? Please. Absolutely. August 28th, I've been told by Michael Mahal, will be the official release of the film called Attack of the Unknown, starring Tara Reid, Richard Grieco, and myself. Wow. Uh, it's sci science fiction, action. Action adventure wow. sci-fi. Aliens are coming, so... You so buckle up. I have actually a lot of Skyfire fans, I mean, friends that are Skyfire fans, so I'm sure they will be excited about the different genre. That's fantastic. Very excited too. I, I, I've, I've got down with a lot of different uh, adversaries in my line, you know. I've fought cops, I've fought other criminals, I've fought ghosts and demons even maybe probably, but I've never fought an alien before. I've never had to get down with an extraterrestrial. <laughs> that was pretty cool. So you That's enjoyed it filming? That's awesome. It great, That's man. No, it was a, I had a great time. Great time. I, I know it's a, at this point it's a bit redundant, but I, you know, Michael Mahal, man, uh, Sonny Mahal, it's, you know, they produced this film and they're excited about their release. They're going to get a, a, a limited theatrical and uh, you, uh, international distribution. So that's cool. And then there's another film called Bridge of the Doom where I play a general zombie apocalypse. You know, we're still dealing with like, you know, uh, like, horror fantasy stuff which is kind of cool you know to get out of the other genre into this one you know so i'm excited about uh what these movies suggest in terms of character development and the ensemble that are in them i got to work with one of my my heroes michael Perret, streets of fire eddie and the cruisers uh the philadelphia experiment great actor been watching him for years i got to pair up with michael Perret. that was a really wonderful experience for me wow. that was I, I was a fan at that moment. I was like, wow, I get to work with Michael. Cool. You know, a lot of Michaels in the scenario. Michael Mahal, Michael Perret, Michael Sue. <laughs> you know? anyway. It's a lucky name to associate yourself with. That's awesome. Yeah, I like all the Michaels of the world, you know? Yeah, they carry the balance, the scale. And all the good stuff. I, I, I know the one that above. Yeah, I like him too. <laughs> We're yeah, good friends. Kind of, yeah, yeah he's keeping the balance. You know, he's got the food on the Absolutely, absolutely. But uh, anyway, so yeah, so that's cool. And then there's, you know, I don't want to, I feel like if I don't mention every movie, someone's going to get disrespected, but there's a lot of stuff that's coming out. I did a film in Florida called Mind Games, a psychological thriller. That'll probably be out next year. I did a film with uh, RJ Mitty from uh, 
Breaking Bad, uh, what's your name? Uh, uh, you know, a film with him called uh, Isaac. Uh, so I'm excited about that. As a Dove Cameron, she's, him and her play the leads in that. So that's kind of exciting. Uh, Josh Weber, great filmmaker. He's created a story that I think is going to blow people's minds. That's indicative of the machinists and movies like this. And, uh, you know, kind of like a trip into David Lynch land, but maybe even better because it's Josh's spin on it, you know? So it's nice to be embarking on films that are dramas, that, uh, that the characters that I'm being asked to portray and incarnate are complex, even in their evil, so to speak, and given an opportunity to be shown uh, with a beginning, middle, and end. So this idea of caricature can be kind of thrown away because the story is written and directed in such a way that we you know, fill in the blanks, more or less, so people don't feel that they're watching something that's contrived and of little meaning. You know, I'm pairing up with filmmakers, I feel, that are destined for greatness and that want to bring their A-game to an industry they feel is becoming more and more vapid because of the easy, the easy, uh, the easy lift, steal, theft, uh, or manipulation of special effects and leaning too much on the visual aesthetic and not focusing on the human element and how performances can continue to blow people's mind, not dazzling special effects all the time. I'm not knocking great films that have special effects, but when you lean on one too much, on one side, when you lean on one side too much and neglect the other, you have an, a disproportionate situation and things go out of balance. So I feel like, you know, I, I, this is a, a, for me a renaissance, uh, a revelation renaissance and because I've been living in the 13th century for a long time, in the dark ages and all this, you know, this kind of, you know, these dungeons of, of, of mythos where I'm, you know, this, in, in like a Heronius Bosch painting, you know, I'm in this dark, you know, world. And now I feel like the Renaissance speaks to the celebration of art now, where Robert's being allowed to ascend. Michelangelo is reaching down and say, hey, Rob, climb the ladder, climb up here with us. And we're going to do things on a different level to allow you some more range and growth because we're all here to help each other and collaborate. That's why the movies I mentioned to you, the, the Michael Mahal and Sonny Mahal, to me, that's indicative of a shift that's occurring in terms of character development that I've yet to witness in my career. I've never been allowed to play a general, to play a vampire that's given range and character and a lead in a film. I've been, been allowed to play supporting roles, but I'm still in jail. You know what I'm saying that the setting is still involves where that character has a catharsis and has to free himself from the prison to move on down the road. Well, then what happens when that man or woman moves on down the road? Where does he go when he's tattooed on the neck and on the hands? Does he go to the laser surgeon? Or does he look for directors or hopefully find people and say, man, I don't care that you got tattoos on your neck, man. I don't care about none of that. I care that you care about my movie and you care enough to learn the lines and bring your A-game to my movie. And even though we don't have a lot of money, Robert, to pay you, you act like we're doing a Hollywood movie. You treat it better than that because a Hollywood movie, what does that mean? So these days, I don't know if it means much. Maybe back in the 1940s it did. But <laughs> I, I agree. Things shifted there now. as well. Yes. So I treat it with respect because the people treat me with respect. And even the ones that didn't treat me with respect back in the day, I still treat it with respect. With respect, not for their sake. For your for sake. The sake of, no, for the sake of the art form. For the sake of the work itself. Because I hated them. Not for myself, because I hated them at times. I'm not, I'm no messiah. I was enraged by how I was treated. I'm not so enlightened to transcend my own grievance. Look at the people burning the buildings down. They're pissed off. Are they wrong? Are they right? It's a rhetorical question. I can't speak to that. All I can say is I've been enraged to the point where I wanted to burn a few buildings down because I didn't understand why people were being mean to me and all I wanted was a job. I said to Richard Pryor, 32 years, I said, Richard, yeah, but what about all the politics, man? I got all these tattoos, bro. What am I? He said, hey, Rob, forget about the politics. You just tell them you want a job, man. Just tell them you want a job. Just go get your job. I'm like, okay, Richard. So that's what I did. He didn't tell me I couldn't have feelings and get upset and be enraged. So I'm saying I did it for the sake of what Richard told me to do and what I needed to do because I did not want to betray 
the lineage of all the great teachers that took their time to instruct me to do diligence what, what the, for what the work required and what it still requires, man, because I got a lot to learn. I'm not by far, I'm not even close to the level I need to. I'm not talking about career. I'm talking about ability. There's a lot I need to learn still to get to a place where I can play other types of characters that require an emotional range that I'm still now scratching the surface on. I'm learning now how to become more vulnerable. I'm learning how to speak with different accents and do things that I normally wouldn't be allowed to. We're not all afforded by, based on our charming good looks, the opportunity to get paid while we learn. There's a lot of actors you watch them throughout their career. Oh my God, that's a terrible accent, but they have a certain sex appeal and they can sell a lot of tickets. And even though they can't really command a, a British accent too well, no one cares because they want to see that act. You know, then you got some British people showing up that can really knock the socks off of the medium in terms of their ability to, you know, vocalize and, and articulate every vowel of the English language. Then you got some real competition because they're classically trained. And so they raise the bar in terms of what's required because you got the Tom Hardy showing up now who can do an East Coast accent, who can do a Southern accent, can do all kinds of accent, can run circles around American actors, not all of them, because you have the walking Phoenix of the, of the realm. You've got actors that can also do amazing things too, that are equal to that, but it demands that you do the work so that you transcend what your physical suggests. And that's how you win the hearts of those to critique the work by demonstrating your ability to move outside a comfort zone and do something that's in, not indicative of what we're used to used to you doing. Robert, you know, when are you gonna do something different? When they allow me to do something different, and then when they allow me, I'm gonna work to get better and better at that as I'm allowed of that opportunity. And in between that, through studies, I'm gonna try to learn to do, you know, Work on your craft and work on your performance yeah, and everything else that you're doing. That's what's required. Not how many likes I have on Instagram or how many pictures I post because that takes a lot of time. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that's the other generation. Let them do what they need to do to get their hustle on to get paid. I have to show up and be able to do something that's not indicative of what I look like, despite what the contrary belief is. Well, if he looks this way, that's why. No, there's a lot of dudes now with shaved heads who's tatted on the neck. I'm kind of like not that unique anymore. So now I would say the task is really on me to show that I have something else to do that I've always been able to do that has nothing to do with my hair falling out and the fact that I had a proclivity of recreation and hobby that involved tattooing myself. People think, well, he made all of that. My past would suggest, and the people that think they know me would suggest, he made all of this. And by accident, it's kind of leaned to this, and they found out a way, figured out a way to exploit, and I say, no, none of it was planned. It happened and it prevented me from being able to demonstrate what I could actually do for real as an artist. It prevented that ability to shine through. But then some would say, no, it didn't because Richard Pryor said something to me and didn't care about my tattoos. He said to me something that's between me and him because he watched what I did during the rehearsal and he said, Robert, come here. And he whispered something to me and it had nothing to do with my ink and everything to do what I did at the rehearsal, the same thing I did at the audition, the same thing I've been doing all these years, that casting directors have been saying, we love you, Rob, but we can't deal with how you, so you still keep knocking on the door and keep knocking. So what do you, you ask me the question, what do I tell young aspiring people, anybody who's aspiring? I say, keep knocking till you, you draw a bloody stump. And that's maybe not the nicest thing to say. And it's probably not what people want to hear, but you basically have to knock until your fingers fall off almost, or they start looking like this. You know, it's a joke. But the point is, you just keep knocking and you make a decision in your life. A friend of mine said to me, Robert, you know, how do I, how, I want to, you know, like I've always had this thing, man. Like I, I do this during the day. I have this job I do, I've been doing it for years, you know, but I know I can, I know I can perform. I know I have it in me. I want to do it. How can I basically be you? I said, I'll tell you what, man, here's the deal. I said, take your house, your profession, your vocation, your security, everything you have, sell it. Take that money, your wife too, kids, take, sell them all. Take the money, go to Las Vegas and bet it 
on the same number for the rest of your life. And then maybe if you hit a few times, then you can start to experience the sphere that I'm in. But you got to say goodbye to all those things. Because last time I looked, I'm not living in the house. I'm not saying people in my industry don't have houses and don't have kids and aren't, can't do both. I'm saying they, he asked me this question. And my situation is different than everybody else. Like Everybody's got a story. My story is I'm a Spartan, meaning I had to dedicate everything to this because I didn't have a rich uh, family member. I, I don't suffer from nepotism. I didn't know somebody in the business. I'm not beautiful looking. I ain't ugly, but I ain't pretty. I wasn't able to utilize the gimmicks that people claim that I've utilized to make my way into a wealthy circle of Illuminati elitists and then look down and go, yeah, one day you could be here. I've never been in that world. I'm still not in that world and I don't want to be in that world. I'm saying that I've had to fight like a gladiator every inch of ground to maintain where I am and I'm still fighting. It hasn't stopped. The war ain't over yet. So anybody asks me, Robert, how do you do it? I say, well, be realistic with yourself, meaning like don't throw away your dreams. Ask yourself how much you're willing to commit your life to this thing because it has to be the full span of your life. You say, oh, I don't know, but that's a long time, my whole life. I go, yeah, what if I don't get the results I want? I didn't get the results I wanted. I wanted to be a leading man too. I wanted to kiss the girl. My acting teacher for years was saying, I want to see them cast you, Robert, in a romantic comedy where you win the girl. Huh. Didn't happen. So what do I do? Do I shoot myself? Do I give up? Do I jump off a building? Do I hoo hoo and cry to everybody how bad Hollywood is? No, Hollywood ain't bad. Hollywood ain't good. Hollywood is what it is. It's a machine. It's a bank. It sells something. And so I looked at myself in the mirror. I said, okay, where do I, where in the, from their point of view, what world do I think I, th okay, I think I know how they see me. Okay. So that's how, that's the world. Okay. So I'll run with that. And, but I can still fantasize about winning the girl, even though in the movie, The Talking Tree, the end of the movie, the guy I helped, he wins the girl. But I'm thinking, man, I wish I had her. So I'm like, I can still dream about winning the girl. Even though if I don't achieve that in the fiction, I've won many girls or women in beautiful relationships I've had as a man, being fortunate enough to be in the presence of a, 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 an endearing person that happened to be female. Um, so I've enjoyed that. But in the fiction, hey, there's a gap. So my teachers would be like, Robert, I want to see that. I want to see you win the girl. So if I pine over what I haven't achieved, what, that's, there's no future in that. So I would say to anyone, be careful of the ones who continually remind you where you have not succeeded and remind yourself on what you've overcome and how statistics say that chances are you might be, probably would have been dead by now because movies have saved my life, literally have saved me from a life of ruination, from ruin. So I know that I don't care about winning the girl. I don't care about preserving my soul and my sanity to the best of my ability. And last time I looked, the people that have paid me money to do work for them in movies have saved my life because they've allowed me to do what I need to do. And to me, that is the girl. That is winning the bride. That is the marriage that has brought me to a promised land that people dream of because they want to be kids again. Everybody wants to go to the land of Oz and be the child again and have that experience. Wow. Because they realize the weight of the matrix and this everyday happening and how heavy it is. We're in a heavy trip, right? So the imagination. In movies, right. So movies, what do they do? The good ones. They lift us up out of ourselves and take us to some place. And when I do my work, even the, the so-called scary ones, the bad ones, I still get to go to a different place and experience something. And the real challenge is to take something that's been regurgitated over and over, over and over again out of some writer's imagination, out of the beast's mouth, and vomit it into my lap. I've got to look at that and find something new in it. That's what my teacher used to say to me. He said, Robert, the real trick as a performer is saying the same thing over and over again but each time finding a new reason for it to be just as valid, maybe even more valid, that's what we do. So when someone says, yeah, but you're always doing the same thing. You said to me early in the interview, 
You said, I've watched you do something over the years, but it's never the same. And I go, thank you. I say to you, thank you, Isabel, for paying attention and seeing it's never the same. It's always something a little bit different because I got to take what's familiar and make it new all over again by doing something slightly different because it's never the same. And that's what it's about, man. And that's why I say to anyone who feels like, yeah, but I keep getting cast as this. I keep getting cast as this. Why don't they see me as this? There's a saying, it's better to be cast or typecast than not cast at all. So run with being cast and abused for a while. Take the hits, take the beating, you have to. You gotta do it, man. If you think that you can go through this thing and not take a beating, you're misinformed. You go, what about this guy and that one? They don't seem to have taken a beating. Yes, they have. They all have. No one comes through this realm, I don't care how pretty they look, how much money they have, and where they live, has not suffered some indignation has not known in this realm who's, I guess, made it, whatever that is, has, has achieved something like that, has not suffered some form of indignation where they curse something because they had to take, bear something or bear it repeatedly. So finally someone would say, you know what? I see what they've been doing with you. We're finally gonna allow, you're like, wow. It's, you know what I'm saying? So you got to go long haul. It's not a sprint. People want the sprint. They want to get to the finish line and they want it now. They want it fast. And if they don't get immediate results, they're like, well, then I guess I'm not cut out for this. It's not in the cards. And they're like, no, it's not in the cards with that kind of thinking. You got to be in for the marathon, man. You got to go the whole distance and say, well, that's easy for you to say, Rob. You got a hundred and something credits for your name, bro. You always work. Well, why don't you tell that to all the actors that mocked me at the auditions for having tattoos? Why don't you tell that to the casting director to tell me that the messenger answers around back? Any, any number, any one of those times, I could have- obstacles you have to overcome to get I where you're at. But I could have thrown the hat, I had, you know how much justification I had to throw the hat in at any given time? There, were, there have been so many gaps in what people think is my career. There have been these poignant, profound gaps where I've had people, the closest to me, that aren't that close to me anymore, said, but Rob, you know, maybe it's uh, time to face facts this song, dude. You know I love you, man. You know I love you, babe. But um, it's time to face facts, man. You know, maybe it's time for you to like, you know. And I say, you know, the only fact I have to face is that it's time to get you out of my life. So I would say to anyone who's had that person, whoever that person is, whispering or say, hey, maybe it's time to face facts, I'd say, adios, amigo. Amiga, whoever, see you, get them out of your life, man. Because anyone who tells you that they got a fast face, you have to face facts, does not take into consideration your journey and understand what's required in that journey. You know, and you're gonna have these gaps. All you performers or people out there that are still watching this who haven't said, I've had enough, feel that their journey is in vain because it's not proving results that make sense in time. I would say to you, I've experienced that, I'm still experiencing it now. And if you continue and fight for what you want, those gaps will get smaller. You're not gonna suffer, you're not gonna, you never be in a situation where there isn't doubt, there'll always be doubt. But your ability to withstand that doubt and move forward will be determined by your ability to have faith and fight because you know that's all you can do. There's no other choice, you have to and you have to remove the people in your life that make you think there is another choice. Like, well, choose mediocrity, play it safe, go get a job that's secure, that's gonna guarantee that you can buy a house, that you'll be taken care of. If you want security, you're in the wrong show business, the movie business is not the business. If you want mental stability, you wanna find love, you wanna be loved, you're barking up the wrong tree, man. It's not what, it, I'm not saying that people won't admire you. I'm not saying you won't have incredible experiences. I'm not saying you won't find times where you're lifted off the ground. I'm saying there's also something else that comes with that. And that stuff that comes is the stuff of madness. And you have to be able to fortify your mind and your will and your heart and your spirit to bear that thing that comes to challenge you and make you think that your whole life has been a lie. It's not. The lie is whoever's talking to you. Don't listen to them. 
that is so very important to choose allies and partners and people close in our lives because their influences is that they always say we're our uh, equation of the five people that are actually closest in our own sphere and if we're not happy who they are if they don't treat us well if they don't support our dreams i'm totally with you you have to say goodbye even though it's hard and because we love people we're very compassionate but in the same time we need to do what we need to do for our own sake because we are on our own journey and i'm so glad you shared so many beautiful lessons through this conversation robert and one of the last questions if you don't mind i just want to make sure the audience hear it uh you already build up amazing legacy for yourself but what is something you now where you at in 2020 with all the change and transformation we're seeing not only just in industry, but around the world, what would you like to be remembered by? What would you like your legacy to be? You already carved so many of those, but, but just something that deeply in your heart, you know it's your purpose, what that would be. I can speak to the point with respect because the question comes from the heart that I respect. So I can speak to the question with respect. So I hope you will understand, or at least tolerate my answer. Please, please, it's no right or wrong. It's just what it is for you. And I would love to audience to hear from you, please. Being remembered is, um, being remembered is a beautiful sunset. Have you seen them? They're beautiful. And you watch them and then the sun goes down and they're gone. So I don't know about being remembered. I know, I feel it's important to, to, if you had a life where there's some regrets or you had a life where you reflect on things and you think, well, if I had a, another chance to do it differently or to be nicer to someone, to share love, to hold my peace, to say something loving not hateful these are the things that are in the forefront of consciousness now um so and that which made me that which made the earth that the blessings that the blessings that were given day to day you know the water because not everybody on the planet is given abundance they have it taken from them and it's just really sad and it's evil that people have to suffer, suffer when the world, the earth itself brought forth so much abundance that there are people that don't have it. So I speak to those people. I speak to a relationship with life in an innocent way, like a child wanders around a meadow at the spectacle and just happy to be present and to be experiencing life and the, the tapestry of what creation has created, what God has created, given name, whatever you want to call the creator, whatever that is to the individual. I just want to meet that with humility mm. and, and without arrogance, without proud, without my legacy, and just thank that which made me for the opportunity to exist long enough where I might demonstrate my appreciation for that gift. Mm. That's it. That is very profound and, and it's very deep. So I really appreciate it again because that's kind of what I leave always for interpretation. And uh, a lot of times people think about tangible stuff, about names, uh, on the streets or buildings that are being known for or will be passed on or money or or but but for to me is always you know art form like you're already doing that is something beautiful that generations can experience but also deeper deeper you and more meaningful you uh, and that is where where I also find every interaction I think that is so powerful because then you are transforming every life you touch and in a way, what you're saying is, Isabella, I want to, whatever my essence and my presence is there, to touch every life in kind, compassion, and loving way. And yeah, that is, that because is. Because here's, here's, here's what I've realized. Here's what I've realized. And I point this out to audiences or people. I don't like the word audience. I, I point this out to gatherings of people who applaud. And I say, hey, thank you, but hold the applause because 
just want to remind you like, hey guys, thanks for coming out. Thank, thank you people for coming out because without you, I don't exist. So, you know, they make me happy. They make me happy. I make them happy. We make each other happen. Uh, it's not there. I'm not there to be, you know, this idea of glorifying the individual, you know, yeah, yeah okay. There are people that do things well. We want to experience their abilities, and so we can enjoy those things. But I think it's important to remember that there are people that don't get to enjoy a lot of stuff, right? So whether it's the people in parts of the world that are suffering at the hand of tyranny, that don't get to enjoy things that we take for granted, whatever the circumstance is, or people that do have opportunities to to uh, to uh, to bathe in this abundance and forget it because of this idea of more, more, I need more. And they cannot even enjoy the station in which they stand because of the anxiety that suggests that you have to continue to measure up to something. And then you lose sense of your soul, spirit, your heart, because then it becomes a banking scenario rather than doing something for the sake of the art form and entertaining people. It becomes about your value as a commodity and that's an equation that belongs in a bank. And I say to those who think that way, cool, but don't talk to me. I'm not a banker. Take the banking you know, dialogue down the road and speak to someone who wants to invest in something. That's not my line. I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not a mm-hmm. human calculator. So but my point is, is that so none of, it's ta- none of it's attainable. To quote Satguru or to quote the mast, my, ma- my profound spiritual master, Da Frijan, Adi Da, who said nothing is attainable. Nothing is attainable to my mind, meaning that nothing is attainable. All is to be experienced and to be witnessed, but none of it is to be attainable. Not even this, because if it was to be attainable, it wouldn't transition. The it would move into another experience that the idea of you cannot control. You cannot prevent your next heartbeat. You can try, but it will beat by itself, nor can you pre- prevent the next experience that those call that those call that, that those individuals call death. So the transition is inevitable. So what is attainable? A memory, a plaque, a statue. Last time I heard, they're knocking statues down. They knocked some statues down from World War II. They're knocking statues down now. Maybe a great flood will come and bricks, the ground will be lifted and all the stars that sit nestled in the ground on an avenue will disappear too. My point is, is that none of it, even on a molecular structural atomic level, is going to last. It's all going to break apart ultimately. When you see the big picture, you're relieved, man. You're relieved because then you don't have to try to become God. You realize God is in all things, always. And you can express that joy by... So liberating, freeing, isn't it? Yeah, man. So you don't have to solidify, encapsulate into something that will be adored and remembered. You can be blissfully forgotten and enjoy the freedom that that suggests by not having to measure up to anything because you're now infinite, man. You recognize the infinite infinite beyond measurement, so you don't even have to measure up. (laughs) There is no measurement. And there's some to me at this stage, because when you've been in the business that I've been and you've seen people come and go, people that you've admired and loved, and I still admire, I don't say that, people you admire that have transitioned out of this world, right? And you bring up their name, and someone says, oh, who's that? And you go, wow, they don't know who that is. But for you, for me, that person may have been God, meaning like they were someone really special, iconic, a deity in physical form that took you to that promised land because they appeared in several movies that you romanticized your whole life and still do. And every time you see them, like, oh my God, oh my God. And you mention their name and people say, who's that? And then it suddenly dawns on you that for you, it's personal, but there'll be generations of people coming that won't know who those people are. And that puts it in perspective. It doesn't make you love that person any less. You still, for you, that person, that performer, has a special place in your heart and they always will. But you understand that it's a temporary station. It's not permanent. People really think it's permanent. Like permanent they destination. Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, never be forgotten. Maybe there's a couple of names that will resonate throughout 
time until time no longer has a place in infinity. So there may be a couple of names that still stand and will always stand the test of time because of what they point to spiritually. There is that. But I'm talking about ego. I'm talking about a statue. I'm talking about a personality, a plaque, an identity that's a traditional somebody. way of measuring somebody's success. And 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 what yeah. you were talking about we're is talking more about, on human. We're talking, we're talking about Hollywood. We're yes. talking about Hollywood. Yes. And we're what you are sharing Hollywood. is the beauty is that you can play in the Hollywood, be part of the Hollywood, but without losing yourself and in the same time showing the human aspects of it and i love when you were mentioning the names earlier about people that you respect and love because they treated you good so imagine how many people you already have that are your champions and they love you respect you because you treated them so well as well and that's the beauty we remember positive experiences we remember pivotal moments when somebody extended themselves in a loving compassionate way or with a great advice, or willingness and genuine interest to learn your story, or learn about you, and those, or vice versa, to learn about them. And I think those are the moments that crafts and echo endlessly. And I just want to say thank you so much for showing up in the light and, and showing how is it possible still to overcome all of that and yet still be truly authentic you. I appreciate the time, and I appreciate you paying attention enough and being sensitive enough to allow uh, this discourse. Appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming and being part of it. We'll definitely have you again. I will look forward to hear what audience and, and listeners have to say. Uh, and well, let's, uh, let's, let's, lay tribute. let's lay tribute to them right now because whether this is live or is going to be you know, edited or whatever, Let's say thank you to them because they're watching. And if there's nobody there to watch it, it doesn't exist, right? It's like the tree that falls down in the forest. If there's not a witness to it, does it make a sound? So let's thank them. Thank, let's thank them for taking the time to put up with us for all this. How long have we been talking? <laughs> thank you. <laughs> yes. For Absolutely. And thank you again for, for opening so many different paths in this conversation. And, and sharing yourself in such a beautiful way. I think that listeners and viewers will be definitely testing um, not just Hollywood story, but also story of someone um, that can authentically expand and grow and, and, and push themselves further and accomplish any of their dreams and desires. And we cannot wait to see uh, your real role, uh, lead roles uh, in very different genres coming up and seeing uh, what you do and how you transcend in so many new ways. So thank you, Robert. Appreciate your time. Thank you, hon.